Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are moving along in our study of the life of the Lord Jesus, and we have been in the last several sessions uh, looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, We went through chapter 5. We're now in chapter 6, and we've broken chapter 6 down into three parts. Uh, The first part is uh, building a life of heavenly reward. And we've talked about how important it is to develop a devotional life. And now we're going to go to the second part, which is uh, separation. So uh, we we do have and are to have uh, developed a devotional life, which leads us to a separation of uh, and from the things of the world. And so uh, this is the area that we're going to be talking about in this section. And of course, uh, the last part of this chapter, we'll be talking about consecration. So uh, we're talking about devotion. We're talking about and we have talked about devotion. We're going to be talking about separation and then we'll talk about consecration. So uh, before we begin, let's go ahead and just pray. Father, we bless you today in the name of Jesus. Lord, where would we be without you? Lost and dead in trespasses and sins. But Father, you have quickened us. You made us alive uh, through the precious blood of Jesus. Now, Father, we just uh, dedicate this time of study in the word of God to you for your glory and for your honor. Now, Lord, fill us with wisdom and spiritual understanding. And Lord, we'll give you the praise In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Well, we just trust the Lord for accuracy when it comes to teaching and and sitting under the word of God. Amen. Okay, now we're going to be talking about separation. So we'll be uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. We'll begin there. But we want to back up, first of all, to the previous three verses. Uh, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. And then verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So we have to ask ourselves a question. Where is our heart? Is our heart fixed upon the things of this world or is our heart fixed upon the things of God, things in heaven? Amen. And if we're developing a a strong devotional life, uh, a life based upon giving, a life based upon prayer and a life based upon fasting along with prayer, a strong devotional life, then we are uh, building a treasure that is in heaven, our heart Amen, is attuned to the things above, not on things on the earth. Amen. So this word treasures, which is the Greek word thesaurus, becomes very important uh, to our life, our daily life. Amen. Because there is a spirit of covetous alive in this world today. Uh, the uh, desire to be filled with this world's goods that uh, is tricking and it is deceiving many people in the church today. Amen. So uh, we need to be aware of that. All right, we're going to be in verse 22, Matthew chapter 6, 
verse 22. Notice uh, Jesus says here, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is single, then your whole body shall be filled with light. Now, that's very interesting. Now, the example that the Lord Jesus gives here concerns seeing clearly the path that we are to follow. Now, we know living separated lives that we are to abhor that which is evil and we are to cleave to that which is good. And that is the the meaning here of our eye being single, clearly seeing the path that we are to tread upon. Of course, the word single here is the great word haplos, and it's a, a nominative, and it speaks of having a clear eye or an eye to see clearly. You know, oftentimes at night you'll get out and the sky, the night sky is so clear, uh, you can see the stars. And uh, it's such a beautiful sight. But then there are other times where you go outside to look. And, of course, you know, you have a lot of cloud cover. You cannot see, uh, even though the light of the moon may be shining through the clouds, you can't see the moon clearly. Amen. And, of course, the things of this world oftentimes cloud our view, cloud the picture or cloud uh, our eyes uh, from the path that we are to follow, especially when we're in times of testing and trial, extreme conditions where our emotions want to drag us one way. But because we have a strong devotional life, we know in our heart where we are to go, what path we are to tread upon. Amen. And so if a person adheres to, if he trusts in, if he relies upon the teachings of Jesus, and if he follows them singly, notice that singly, uh, his soul is going to be enlightened and his soul is going to be full of light and he will know the truth. And the truth will lead him and guide him and make him free. It's sin that binds us up. It's blindness to the things of God that blinds us. And I'm telling you, there are many in the church world today, those who claim to know God, but yet they're not following him. See, their eye is not single. And of course, verse 23, Jesus says this, but if your eye is evil, then your whole body is full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness. Now, let's let's explain that for a second. If that light which a man is following is actually leading him into darkness. <clears throat> Jesus says, how great is that darkness? So if our eye is single, then it's full of light. In other words, we're following the pathway that Jesus has laid out for us. We're following that pathway that the word of God uh, wants to direct our, direct our steps. Amen. Well, if we're, if the light in us is darkness, well, then the opposite is true. Our eye is really blind. We are really in the dark, even though that darkness seems to be light. In other words, we have it in our mind which way we're going to go. It's like people who claim to be saved, but yet they never stop loving the world. 
Uh, the things in the world are the things that they enjoy doing. They enjoy their drinking. They enjoy their carousing. Uh, very unfaithful to the things at home. Uh, they All they want is money so that they can spend it on themselves. They really don't have any compassion for the poor. They don't have any uh, desire to give to the church to them. Uh, the church is filled with hypocrites. Why am I going to give money to the church? What value is that to me? And so they have <clears throat> no kingdom mind about them. Well, it's because the light that is in them is really darkness. They're following the course of this world. So for them to be following darkness, then the opposite is true to what Jesus is saying concerning light. And so Jesus here, the light and the darkness, he's speaking of spiritual truths. And of course, you know, he's implicating the Pharisees and the scribes because they refused to believe on Jesus. They didn't take into account his miracles. Uh, they rejected his teaching and they claimed to be leaders of the light. Well, Jesus called them blind leaders of the blind. In other words, if a blind leader is trying to lead the blind, what's going to happen to them? Well, they're both going to fall into the ditch and falling into the ditch uh, implicates and uh, speaks to us of falling out of the will of God and falling into destruction. And then Jesus, he talks in verse 24, he says this. He says, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. And then he says this, you cannot serve God and mammon. And so we ask ourselves the question, bearing this in mind, where is our treasure located? Is it located in the things of this world? Or is it located in the things that are above? And re remember what Paul said in writing to the Colossian church. He said this, if we then be risen with Christ, we are to seek those things which are above, not on things which are on the earth. Amen. So that is the difference between being earthly minded and being heavenly minded. And of course, Jesus here is teaching us to be heavenly minded. So the point here that Jesus is making is that we only have one master to serve. <clears throat> Either we serve the things of God and God, or we serve the things of the world, the world. Either we serve Christ alone, or we serve this world alone. You know, we cannot stretch one hand out towards the Lord Jesus while we have the other hand stretched out towards the things of the world. Now, John said this. He says, don't love the world. Love not the world, neither the things in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then John said this. For all that is in the world. All means all. For all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. They are in the world. And then John said this, and the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God will abide forever. And Jesus is speaking here 
concerning the will of God. God's will for our life is to have a strong devotional life. God's will for our life is to lay up treasures in heaven, not treasures in the earth. Now, we're not saying that God does not want you and I to have anything. That's not what I'm saying. God enables us to live in a country where we can be prosperous in this life. And God has no problem at all with you and I being prosperous. He does have a problem when the desire for prosperity becomes covetousness. That's an issue that we get into sin and we get into, uh, well, we get into disobedience and rebellion against Almighty God. Now, Jesus here is using mammon or money as a um, an object of whether or not we're going to lay up treasures upon uh, this earth or whether we're going to lay up treasures in heaven. Now, the Greek word for mammon is mammona, and it's uh, in the dative case here, and it means riches or treasures. Where our treasure is, that's where our heart is going to be. If our treasure is making money, and the more money we make, the more happier than we are. Well, there's going to come a time where money is not going to be able to save us. Now, money may provide a lot of great things for us. But if that's where our heart is, then somewhere along the line, we're going to fail and we're going to fall. Now, Paul said this. <clears throat> he said this. He says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Notice he did not say money is the root of all evil. You know what money is? Money's a servant. That's what we use it for. Amen. We make money, well, to supply our need. For a home, you know, a, a family to be fed, for them to be clothed and taken care of. For money to be laid up and stored for future use. All that's all well and good. But now, if money becomes the the chief object of our life, then what has happened is that we now, we've entered into a life of sin and disobedience because now the love of money is the root of all evil. Let me ask you this. What are you willing to do to get a dollar? What are you and I willing to do to get a dollar? If we're willing to lie, cheat, and steal to get money into our pocket, then then we are in the world. And we are loving money. And that money has become the root of evil. So it goes back to what Jesus was talking about. If our eye be evil, our whole body shall be full of darkness. And Jesus said, and if therefore the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? See, we don't know the darkened pathway this kind of life will lead us. Well, we know exactly. Amen. At the time, we don't know because we're deceived. But in the end, it's going to lead us right into the gates of hell. And money will take us there. Look what happened to Solomon. Solomon had everything. Solomon had wisdom. He had riches. He was in the pinnacle of uh, the nation of Israel. Uh, he was on the throne as the king over Israel. He was renowned throughout that entire area. But 
Samuel records, but Solomon loved foreign wives. And that was his downfall. Now, listen to something that he wrote in Ecclesiastes 6.10. Money answers all things. In these times that where Solomon was writing, and especially in Roman times, money, silver and gold specifically, was considered useful of God's because it was through money that anybody that had it could get anything they wanted. Whatever you want, it'll be thine if you have enough money to pay for it. And that's the way it is in this world. You can buy favors. You can buy corrupt officials. You can corrupt them to the point to where you know you're going to get the lowest bid and it's going to be accepted. I mean, money answers all things in this life, but not in the life to come. So how much, and I guess Jesus said this, he says, what profit a man if he gained the whole world but lose his own soul? Can money purchase our salvation? Can money purchase our eternal life? No. Devotion will. Subjection to the things of Christ, absolutely. And I think if there is one thing that we've learned in studying the Sermon on the Mount is that Christ expects us to do certain things because we're not lords, we're servants. Jesus, the Lord, has the right to tell us what to do, where to go, and how to do it. Amen. What is our responsibility? Well, our responsibility is to obey. Amen. And Jesus said this. Now, Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, If you wish to be complete. In other words, we can use it in everyday uh, current vernacular. If you want to be saved, if you want to have eternal life, this is what you do. You go and sell your possessions and you give it to the poor. Isn't that interesting? And give it to the poor. Alms giving. A devotion. Give this as the devotion. We call these things devoted votive offerings. And give to the poor and you will have treasure. Notice that treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieved, for he was one who owned much property. Now, let's think about that for just a moment. Jesus said, sell everything you've got, sell all your possessions, give them to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And if you want eternal life, then come follow me. But you've got to get rid of this first. You don't have possessions. They have possession of you. Cut it off. Get away from it. Remember what Jesus said? If your right eye offends you, pluck it out. Well, this is something that was an offense to God because it was standing between the rich young ruler and a relationship with God. And so Jesus said, get rid of it. Cast it away from you. 
Give it to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. Amen. Well, this rich young ruler, he had a lot of treasure on earth, but he had none in heaven. And he was a man that initially wanted to do what was right. But Jesus cut straight to his heart. Who are you going to look after? Are you going to look after your treasure on earth? Or if you're going to look after treasure in heaven? Well, this man made a decision. And he heard this statement. He went away grieved. For he was one who owned much property. So that's what Jesus is talking about. Separation. Separation from the things of this world. Now, the last section of this chapter is consecration. Placing our life in God's hands and in God's will. You know, I thought many years ago when I was thinking about the spiritual development of a believer in Christ, that when a man is born again, that his inclination as a baby Christian would be motivated about me. I mean, what is Jesus going to do for me? And then as I began to understand salvation and I began to grow in the things of God, and of course, I'm not talking just about me, I'm talking about you too. The more we mature in Christ and we start growing towards a spiritual adolescence, you know, our motivation then begins to change. It's not so much about me, but it's also about Christ. So here we are. Adolescent, it's about us, but it's also about Jesus. But when we came to that place, you know, the Bible talks about full spiritual maturity. We realize it's really not about us at all. It's all about Jesus. Praise God. Amen. And I truly believe that when we come to the place where we understand that we are nothing, at that point is the point when we actually become something. Because we come to that place where we realize that we're nothing without him. And that gives God the opportunity then to begin to do something on the inside of us. Amen. And so this is the thought behind this last portion of of, uh, Scripture in this chapter. Notice in verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore, I say to you, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Notice Jesus says, take no thought. Amen. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be troubled with cares. Don't constantly worry about where you're going to get food, where you're going to get drink, what you're going to wear. Jesus says that for your heavenly father knows what you have need of. And we're going to read that again as we go further along here. And it goes along with what Paul says wrote to the Philippian church. He said this, he says, don't have any anxiety or don't fret about anything. Don't have any care. Don't have any worry about any anxiety, but in everything, just give it to God. God knows you have need of these things. 
And then Jesus goes on and he says this, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? God did not create this earth for the birds. He created this earth for you and for me. As a matter of fact, when God created us, when he created man, that was the crown of his creation. Everything that he had created before then was for man. And so I like what uh, I like what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church for all are yours. And that's true. This entire creation was made for us. Hallelujah. Now, we're to be good stewards of this earth, aren't we? We're to conserve it. We're not to damage it, destroy it. But notice that God gave it to us. Everything that surrounds us, he gave it to us. Praise God. So Jesus says, behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are ye not much better than they? And then he says in verse 27, he says, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? Amen. Notice he says, by taking thought. This is actually the opposite of take no thought. What are you thinking about? What are you anxious about? Are you anxious about tomorrow? Are you anxious about the future? Well, God has given you the tools to take care of your future. If you'll employ them, according to the wisdom of God, he'll lead you beside the still waters. He'll restore your soul, praise God. He'll lead you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Amen, praise God. And he'll set a table before your enemies, praise God. Amen. And then Jesus goes on and says, and why do you take thought for raiment? He says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon and all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Amen. And then he says, wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Amen. And of course, Paul reminds us that the Lord gives us richly all things to enjoy, not to covet them. He gives us all things to enjoy. Why? Because he loves us. And what are we to do? Verses 33 and 34. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, you, you lay up treasure in heaven and God will take care of everything that you need down here on earth. And in closing out this chapter, he says this, Therefore, take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Lay up treasures in heaven and God will take care of your tomorrow. He'll take care of my tomorrow. Praise God. He's a good God. He's a good Lord. He's a good Savior. And he'll always take care of us. But we're going to have to trust him. We're going to have to put first things first. A devotional life, 
a separated life, amen, a consecrated life. It all begins with devotion. If we have a strong devotion life, then we'll see where we need to keep ourselves separate. And by separating ourselves, we're consecrating ourselves to do the will of God. Amen. Father, we bless you today in the name of Jesus, and we give you all the praise and honor and glory for all of your goodness, Father. We love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Direct our hearts now into the love of God and in the patient waiting for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We give all these things into your hands. We love you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.